Shaun of the Dead. And this is The House That Screams. Tonight's topic is the 1992 film Candyman. We're very excited to talk about it. Um, got great guests tonight. We got our usuals. We've got Rob, the cinema drunkie. I heard you looking for Candyman, bitch. Ah, nice. <laughs> I've got Dave German. Welcome to the Cabrini Green of podcasts. <laughs> this is true. This is true. We've got Eric Wright. Hey, what's up? Got nothing clever uh, in terms of movie lines to say right now. Yeah, the guys seem to jump on us. We've got Daniel Nightmare Nerd Ryan. As far as the hell blowing is the foul reaper mowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have two special guests tonight. Uh, well, our first one is Jenna Fryer. You want to go ahead and intro? Uh, my name is Jenna Fryer. <laughs> Should I say anything else? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and we also have Ian Forrest from uh, the podcast Behind the Screams. Ian? Hello, everyone. Why don't you all be my victims? Yes. Gladly. Yeah. Oh, no one came out with better intros than me. Yeah, we <laughs> just have the better intros. The ladies were all like, um, hi. <laughs> I never think to be clever. This film, um, I want to start our conversation by um, kind of hearkening back or doing a callback, as they say in MSC3K, um, to an episode we did recently that we are about to release next week, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. It came out the exact... Oh. Now, now, Daniel, hush. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I want to bring that up. It's because it is kind of well known here in the podcast that I have a thing for Candyman. Sorry. I do, but, but here's the thing is you got to think 1992 and it goes back to Dracula, what I was talking about with that. I was 13 years old. I'm going through puberty, you know, and I'm starting to figure out like, oh, wow, that's kind of attractive or that's kind of different or I'm kind of into that. So, so I have this attraction to Candyman and I think that that is actually, you know, is not even I think I know that is intentional. They yeah. there is supposed to be a sort of an attraction and a romance and a charisma. Captain, Captain Hook syndrome. 
<laughs> well, was, I mean, it was old dead guy syndrome, but yeah. you know. <laughs> but, but Tony Todd, he played that character so well with the. Oh he really did. Just mm-hmm. the dark, intimate, sensual. You know, I mean. The, Very sensual. Yeah. Even as a straight guy, his voice can melt butter. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got that baritone. Yeah. Definitely. Commanding. It just like Very rumbles your whole body. <laughs> Okay, so I'm Helen. somebody else. Oh, oh God, when he says Helen, oh my God, my knees go weak. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. So let's be watching it and being like, why isn't she not into him? Jeez. <laughs> but she kind of is. Yeah, isn't she a little she, bit? She kind of just goes She's weak around. Yeah. 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 Um, I uh, I want to say like um, this came out in '92. I was eight when this came out. Way to make so, me cold. Oh my sorry, god. Sorry. No, but uh, like it, it, it came out during that my my like you know ascent into like horror fandom, like you know I I was getting like I started with the child's plays and the gate, and then you know I was getting into deeper stuff, and this was around that time where like I I was you know making that discovery of like deeper horror stuff, you know, and uh, like I remember being memorized by the poster. That poster art is just. With the, the yeah. baby by the eye. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly creepy, but like mesmerizing, you know, in a way. It's like. Yeah, with and, the uh, and I, it's just kind of had like a whole different vibe than everything right. going on. Right. So, like, I was like, oh, I want to see that. And my parents were like, fuck no. Uh. <laughs> especially, my, especially my mom, who has an absolute fear of bees. Like, she's terrified <laughs> of bees. And um, so I had to wait until it came on to pay-per-view to see it and um i remember liking it a lot like really liking it a lot but i remember liking the sequel a lot more because the sequel is like really? almost yeah. like, like oh, hold on hold on I'll, I'll get into it like at the <laughs> the sequel like it was a bit more freddy krueger-ish if you will like that kind of oh, like streamlining that. horror yeah like you know we're getting into the mythos and like you know exploring ways to destroy him and uh so i was like yeah yeah this i like this better but then when i when i got older I rewatched both of them like back to back and I discovered that not only is like Candyman probably the best horror film of the 90s if not one of the best. Yes. It's it's one of the best horror films ever made to the point where it made me hate part 2 because what's the brilliant the, the brilliant thing about Candyman is he's not really a ghost or like a specter or a phantom. He's something that doesn't really exist, you yeah. know. He's, he's a thing. Yeah, he's he's basically like you know, like they said, like an urban legend yeah. who this community fears so greatly they they will him into existence. Yeah. And, and honestly, I have to say, as a minimalist, sometimes in horror, um, obviously I'm not in real life, but like with my horror, it's like it would have been so much more beautiful if we just left it alone. We yeah. didn't need to add more to the mythos. It had everything it needed to have all in one nice package, a great score, great writing, great acting. I mean, right. everything was there. We didn't really need to go there. Right. They literally in the sequel they literally turn him into a literal specter and it's like you, yeah. you, you lose all the you lose all the gravitas. Like yeah, you know, and just I, I even the director on the commentary of the sequel, he says I know a lot of people are mad about that. And I kinda agree. You know. <laughs> But, like, yeah, like, I just think it's absolute brilliant horror, you know, like, one of those, like, you know, like, up there, like, you know, like, because I like that meta stuff, like, you know, I know me and Erica talked about it, our love for uh, In the Mouth of Madness, you know, that kind of where place was, like, 
reality and fantasy well enough. So that's that's uh, you know I just can't say enough good things about Candyman. I just absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say the the direction is brilliant. Um, yes. Bernard Rose is a brilliant director. He basically does visual poetry. I did meet him a few years ago, and he is kind of a strange person. I'll get into that <laughs> later. In the- yeah, you, you kind of hinted at that. I'm like, I'm curious yeah. to hear the tale. Um, <laughs> let's hear from Ian. Ian, what do you? What are your reflections nice. on students? I mean, there's there's really not a lot I can say like negative about this this film. Like, I came into Candyman super late, so in 1992, I was the grand old age of one year old. Okay. Um, so <laughs> oh, oh. Um, uh, there's no way I was seeing this in the theaters or anything like that. But um, yeah, I came into this super late, so I already knew what I was sort of getting myself into. Obviously, as a big horror fan growing up as well, Candyman's one of those ones that you sort of you know about and you sort of hear about throughout social medias and you know word of mouth and things like that and just echoing what was said before you know it's kind of like nothing we've really seen before like you're saying because he is not like a literal um specter or yes. you know ghost or anything like that and um, it just separates Candyman for me and you know the score is so fantastic Tony uh, Todd yeah. is amazing Virginia Madsen's great in this. Um, you know, he was a great cast all around. There's really nothing bad I can say about this yeah. film. So I'm probably just going to fanboy over it for the rest of this episode. <laughs> I think we all are. I mean, it's just it's, it. it's such a great film. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Absolutely. Like, um, if I if I could just go into this quote, like, this is like perfectly you know details that what, what i was saying earlier and what the ian was just getting into where he tells helen why do you want to live if you had learned just a little from me you would not beg to live i am rumor it is a blessed condition believe me to be whispered about at street corners to live in other people's dreams but not to have to be and like like lines like that it's just like you know it's just it, it just puts this movie on another platform where it's just like you know it separates him from all the other slashers yeah if you will you can't really like, call him a slasher yeah. I, I would you know, he's not in this movie you'd never hear not yeah you'd never hear freddy krueger drop some shit like that no no he's like welcome to prime time bitch yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? right we giggle no, and it goes on but you know man, it, it, like so... you be in this mood and i the casting is so brilliant Tony Todd, you know, who we've met, and I posted my ugly picture with him, because um, I was ugly in it, but uh, I was here, I, I was so gross. Anyway, so um, he's this big, tall presence, and he himself is very eloquent, very yes. dignified, very intelligent, and he's got a charisma about him, and then we've got Virginia Madsen, who, in that movie, you see that she has just got, like, that classic Hollywood beauty, you know, yeah. focus on her face and eyes. Like, she is just absolutely stunning. Like, just through the casting in general and their charisma together, like, it was just, it was poetry. Yeah. It was beautiful. And they would take, like, a, a ballroom dancing lessons, fencing lessons, stuff to get them more in chemistry with each other. And it, it just pulled off completely. Yeah, and you could definitely tell on screen, too. I mean, it was... It, it, it translated so yeah. well. It was beautiful. And I think I think the thing that I loved about this movie that that separates it from all the other, you know, slasher uh, films, you know, when I watch something like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, uh, Child's Play, I, 
there are moments throughout those movies where I giggle and I laugh, you know, if it's not, you know, Freddy's one liners or, you know, some of the fucked up ways that Jason kills people, people, or, you know, Chucky, there wasn't, I can't think of a single time when I watched, you know, throughout the whole viewing of Candyman that I laughed, maybe when I saw Ted Raimi, but I have that in my I have that in my notes. Yeah, Ted yeah, Raimi is a bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that face. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. another you know, story you didn't, we can talk about later. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He didn't have a leather jacket. Like, that's yeah, right, right. He's the just, fawns just, now, right? I just thinking of him in um, Ash versus Evil Dead. <laughs> like, yeah. that's the same character. Right. He's a bad boy. He didn't have any, like, you know, cheesy one liners. I mean, it was. It he was had a, some deep shit. Yeah, he had some mm-hmm. deep shit. And yeah. I think that that's what made this movie. You know, as as good as yeah. Like you completely get sucked in when you watch it. You're in just it's like a mood piece. Mm -hmm. You're in that mood. You're like Helen. Um, you know, if I may interject. Yes. Uh, something that for me sets Candyman apart as a guy with a real love of history and uh, sociology. It's an urban setting. Uh You know, (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday Thirteenth, so many of these. It's all about the suburban Mm -hmm. nightmare. Candyman, they went there with the urban setting, and you know I've read up on the history of Cabrini Green, and you can easily mm-hmm. see where an environment that like that could spawn its own boogeyman, its own mythos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, when they were talking about the remake, you know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I may as well say it. T- try to picture where would you put that. My two thoughts were either it, it would have to be New Orleans after Katrina. Because mm-hmm. there are so much, there's so much of that city still that is abandoned, will never come back, or it would have to be Detroit. I was yeah. going to say Detroit. Yeah. And, or you know, Gary, I, Indiana. I've, I've I've never been there, but I know a few people who live around there, and they all tell me, you know, living about an hour from that city, one hour is all it takes to feel like you're on another planet. Yeah. yeah. And, it's almost it's almost like they need a RoboCop. Ah! They've, they've got. They've already got it. It's a statue. But but uh, yeah, the suburban land. I'm sorry, the urban landscape can have its own unique nightmares, and that Candyman was willing to go there at a time when that topic was just coming into vogue with films like you know Boys in the Hood and. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I would say it was almost ahead of its time for horror in that they were looking for a new frontier. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you well, gotta think this came out around the time of the Rodney King riots. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And and I won't go with sociopolitics here, but that they did touch loosely on that kind of element. That was bold for its time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That Bernard Rose took Clay Barker's story, which was set in Liverpool, and turned it into this urban thing. And we had our first and 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 the um, black horror community they didn't love Candyman. Because it's our, our our first like official black you know villain you know but he's like so much better than the other ones you know like they're very proud of, of he's, he's, it's, he's not a caricature he's a very unique no. very original addition he's to the, the horror pantheon he's, he's, he's the spirit of a lynching victim. 
Yeah, he's yeah. almost anti-hero-ish, if you will. Like, you know, I mean, he kills innocent victims, but mm. he's a bit of like an Avenger, you know. Right. As Tony Todd himself said, he said, you know, I thought of him as kind of like a Phantom of the Opera, a Dracula type, because it was a yeah. tragic character. And that's how Bernard yeah. also saw it. So it came across really well. So you kind of like, you know, he's not like you're straight, like, you know, Freddy Krueger straight up evil. You know, it's yeah. not like, it, there's some sadness. There's some really bad yeah. things happened. You know, and as, so, sorry, but as Rob brought out earlier, in a way, he'd like to be forgotten. He'd like to just fade into memory and rest. But right. he's destined. He's destined to keep getting brought back up. You know, it's a torturous existence. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a uh, the quote that Rob brought up. Uh, this movie, to me, uh, it, it it pinged off of my uh, Dracula. It set off a lot of Dracula bells in me in a lot of ways. And that quote that Rob just quoted is yeah. from Dracula when he says, uh, "To to die, to be truly dead." That must be glorious. It's, glorious. It's, it's 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 exactly like the quote that that uh, Candyman says, where you know to be to not be. Yeah. Uh, and haven't a lot we of parallels in that? At one point or another. Yeah, you know, totally. Sort of relate to that at some point. Hell, in this life. this morning when I got up, shit. Every <laughs> day. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> but it means to just be in that sort of <clears throat> and you know, like I said, this was a pivotal time in my life when this came out. So I just really like honed in on it and I really glorified it and it still holds up it really does I'd like to hear from our guests a little bit more um please we, we talk way too much so you guys gotta interject because I <laughs> so uh uh Jenna um so I actually hadn't had seen the film in um quite a while like I think I saw it or when I was like 12 or 13 or something like that and um and i saw the sequels and, and everything so it kind of got yeah lost in translation because like i would just put it on in the background you know and so re i've, I've been wanting to rewatch Candyman for a while but it just hasn't been really available like on like netflix or anything like that and so when when they're like oh you're going to be reviewing Candyman, i'm like yes i get to finally watch it again and it was yeah (laughs) and it was just so it it was so good it was like very ethereal you know like you just feel like you're a different world and my biggest fear for some reason was thinking i was like being sane but everyone else like is thinks i'm a crazy person like being in her shoes where like like people just don't believe her and like she's doing all these horrible things but it's not really her so it's like it really it was one of the few um horror movies that actually like kind of like reached into my psyche <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean and oh yeah yeah that's 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 a great that's a great point because uh what sets off Candyman in this one after Helen is is her obsession to disprove his existence like he he literally comes to her because she she's trying to prove to the people oh he doesn't you exist. doubted me yes <laughs> and you know so he was compelled to exist to her and only her so where like everybody's looking at her like you know she's crazy and she's like no he's real you know like you can even i've seen even people kind of make like a like an argument that it's all in helen's head and she's gone crazy and it's like uh, there's kind of a few moments where that's like uh, eight, one of the few eight. cases yeah. where they did that effectively yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, no, that's absolutely perfect. You know that that where 
you you know what's happening to you is real, but everything everybody else is just like you're crazy. It's just an effective way to like a story to tell, you know. Like they, I know they tried it in like the Freddy Krueger movies, but it's done most effectively. Yeah, because they didn't have like the mood. I mean, we it's like the perfect storm here with the score, the acting, you know, the mood, the the setting, everything just gels, and and it does come across effectively. Timing. Films, yeah, yeah, timing. A lot of films can't pull that off. I also think like um, a good thing they did is um, the first kind of kill you don't see, you know, like, so you don't know, you don't really know what happens. So it could be in her head. You don't know. And then I think like in the, like, it's even really towards the middle of the movie when she sees her friend getting killed. Mm. Um, That's when you're like, okay, so this is happening. Like this isn't in her head. That that part was like a jump scare without being a jump scare. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that, to me, that's the most effective. That's the most effective scene in the movie because it's not you know, like she's, jump out. He's just there. Right. She's like, paralyzed. Oh, she's, she's telling Bernadette to go, and Bernadette, you know, obviously she goes in because of her friend. That door slammed. The way that that scene is shot and edited, where it's like you see Bernadette's, you know, her expression is absolutely fearful, and then it just cuts to him, and then he pulls a hook, and then you don't see her murder, but you hear it. And yes. I think that's absolutely more terrifying than actually seeing what's happening. And another thing effective about Tony Todd is that, the, you know, where other killers are silent, you know, you can hear when he's killing that, that, that grunt. That's yeah. ripping her. Really that, fucking that's me, it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's me to me is more terrifying than actually yeah. seeing her getting ripped up. Especially the aftermath where you see her. You know, um, it, it, sorry to interrupt, Candy, but it's probably oh, no, fair okay. saying. Clive Barker's influence. There's always something psychosexual in his work, and absolutely that you don't see it. You just hear the grunting. That's meant to invoke that. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. and and we talked about that when I I admitted my crush on Candyman back in season one, and you know it's kind of like talking. We talked about the 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 sounds that he makes, and it is kind of sexual. But you know, like for me being 13, I wasn't really getting why I was having reaction to it. But it makes sense, you know, as a grown woman. But and and like Daniel said, as a straight man, like I wanted to be his victim. Like I mean, he's just like, like Prince. Don't look him in the eyes. Yeah, you can't look him in the eyes. You know, um, Tony Tony Todd to me, and I'm probably overstepping my lines here. He's an Egyptian pharaoh. You know, yeah. you look at those statues, those carvings. That's him. He yeah. would be perfect in that kind of role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, but yeah, absolutely. I, I, he's he's you know, got an almost regal presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Even in person, he's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Just, like, when you said that he was, like, a very eloquent, and he was also really tall, I'm like, yeah, you can tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's huge. And, His and, presence is... Yeah, isn't he, like, isn't he, like, 6'5", right? Yeah. He's 6'5". Yeah. He's literally... And wasn't... Like, wasn't Eddie Murphy originally considered for the role, but was yeah, too short? Oh, <laughs> God, no. That would have been a different but, 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 but since I brought comedy, <laughs> I just have to say, the second time when she wakes up after he kills her friend, and she's laying there in the puddle of blood and he, with the knife literally in her hand, I just expect you to be like, son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah he did it to me again. You know, it was like, I, mm-hmm. it, it had gone like full on like comedy to me. I was expecting her to be like, shit. Yeah. You know, like he did it to you. It's just he's so good at setting her up. Yeah. You know, it, it, it struck me as a funny. big horror fan, though. Eddie's a big horror fan. That's that, that's what led to him to a vampire in Brooklyn. I like Tommy. Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I actually, 
it, but you know. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah, he's he's actually a, a huge horror fan though. Yeah. And, now, yes, and and Rob, maybe maybe you'll agree with this. I'd much rather see Charlie Murphy play Candyman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Big Charlie Murphy fans. Well, uh, unfortunately, then he'd fall victim to his his arch nemesis, Rick James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unity. Darkness. But, 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 but actually, t- talking about comedic element, in a way, that scene where she wakes up with a knife in her hand, it almost would have fit if she had stood up, slipped and fallen the blood, stood up, slipped and fallen the blood a few times. <laughs> yeah, that slight absurdity would actually have been a uh, suitable in that moment. That's what I was picturing. Yeah, like just. <sighs> but you know, to touch back on on what Jenna said, you know, about the the power of the, you know, the the kill that you don't see. You know, we had talked about that in our first season. Um, it's so powerful. When we talked about Alien, and I think that that's what made the first Alien movie so powerful is that you know you don't really so, see it. So many off-screen deaths. You know, and you can hear them, but you can't see them. So you don't exactly know what's going on, but you're getting fucked up because you know what's going on, it's even though you in don't your mind, see it. In the theater you know? of the mind. I would, I would also say that it's also the power of the aftermath, especially yeah. for, like, people who are into true crime, who are, you know, true crime horror kind of, like, there's a Venn diagram there, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be me. <laughs> and so, um, it's like, you're used to seeing aftermath you know you're used to hearing about the aftermath and then explaining like what happened so like uh, like you know when when you like especially when she wakes up and there's all the blood and you see the knife like your mind's immediately going like and you can see it in her mind too where it's like oh whose blood is this what's happening you know like i'm hearing screams what's going on and all that was super powerful to me like where it was just like Boom. <laughs> like, what's yeah, happening? And I, and, I, and I totally, you know, I see the correlation with the true crime because, you know, I don't see Jeffrey Dahmer murdering people, but I see the crime scene photos. Mm-hmm. And that's, oh, shit, yeah. you know, that shit's powerful. <clears throat> you yeah. Know? yeah. Um, in Sansa of the Lambs, the scenes that most people remember are Buffalo Bill dancing around with his uh, hoo-ha touching his legs or, <laughs> yeah. or, or, you know, it rubs the lotion on his skin. The scene that has always freaked me the worst is when Lecter escapes. Yeah. And and all, all the co- all the cops burst in the room where he's supposed to have been held, and you see what he did to those two other officers. He's all laid out. And, and and the fact that they don't tell you how long it was between him getting out of his cage, and then setting all that in motion, like what must he have done to these men, and how long did it take? Yeah. That was a powerful thing about Seven. You know, like all all the the kills in seven are the aftermath. Maybe watch that one, yeah. You know, know, the the infamous uh, sloth, that guy tied to the bed. Like, how long was he there? Yeah. Yeah. And going back to um, uh, Candyman, it's like in that scene where um, she like basically beheads that dog. It's like she's like a tiny little woman. You know, like you don't. And that was like, you know, they showed the dog. That's a big dog and that was like yeah. a vicious yeah. dog like that was a guard dog so yeah. it's like it's like how did that even work you know like yeah. <laughs> um ian um what do you have to say like what's your favorite scene oh uh oh god eh, <laughs> there are there are so many um i mean that scene where her friend Bernadette, like you, you were speaking about it earlier, like you don't see her get killed, you hear her get killed. 
but when you see the aftermath of it, how pale her body yes. is and yeah. the, just, the yeah. sheer destruction of her friend is just, it's yeah. so powerful. Um, the scene where she, you know, goes into the, the public toilet as well, um, yeah. you know, and just the sort of, you know, you've got <laughs> shit smeared all over the wall. You've yeah. got a toilet full of bees. <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy, you know, and um, okay. you know, so that sort of strikes genuine and, and fear what, as well. That's what Cabrini Green was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, because like, I mean, urban from, blight. I mean, I'm I'm obviously from Scotland, in case you didn't know us. I thought of train spotting when you were talking about that. It's quite funny you mentioned that, because we really don't have anything like that over here, you know. Um, were obviously talking about, you know, um, some of your bigger cities over there. I'm from Aberdeen in Scotland, right? We're the fourth biggest city in Scotland, and we've only got like a quarter of a million people here. So we have like small cities, yeah. you know. So we and we just don't have anything like that over here. So for me, um, you know, you hear about it, obviously you hear about, you know, stories in the news and what's reported in the media, but you don't really see a lot of it over here. So for me to see this in, in this movie was something really different. And it goes back again to what you were saying, you know, about things like Halloween and Elm Street being set in these really sort of suburban areas. And over here especially in Scotland, maybe less so in the rest of the UK, that's more sort of the norm as well, because we're a really sort of low populated country. Um, so it was really interesting to me to see something that was, you know, completely different from that, even though it's still sort of lumbered in with that whole sort of slasher genre, um, which we've obviously dis- uh, discussed already as well, that it, we don't really feel it is. Well, um, and here in America, uh, you know, every every city has a place that you don't go. Even here in Indy, oh, yeah. we moved out of the city. We are in the suburbs now. We don't look like suburban people, but it, better schools for our kids. And um, but you know, in Indy, there's places you don't go. You don't go to Hallville. You don't drive through Hallville. You don't get out of the car. You lock your doors because they will kill you. No. <laughs> you know, you don't mess around there. You you just avoid it. You go around. You know, every city is like that. And, and Chicago is only two hours away from us. It's wow. a really short drive. We go there for concerts and things like that. Um, I've never saw, like, you know, where Cabrini Green was, nor would I want to go there, honestly. Um, but um, Well, it's, it's not there anymore. Yes, it's, yeah. it's gone now. But yeah. um, I've been, you know, I, I've been to Chicago many times because, like I said, it's very close. And, um, you know, but every big city has a place like that. Yeah. And it's Hallville. You know, um, how oh, oh, every city has an Elm Street. <laughs> yeah. To, you know, Ian, um, maybe this will hit home for you. Maybe not. But being from the UK, only the East End of London could have spawned Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm talking about, you know, my area of the country, which is is yeah. is really quite remote. Um <laughs> in terms of the sort of the country as a whole. And you're re- you're right, you're really only speaking of places like you're speaking about over here in terms of being like, you know, London, maybe, you know, Manchester and Birmingham, and that's really about it. And, you know, everywhere else, you know, in terms of the just the sheer populace of people, it's 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 significantly smaller. So you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah, e- even in those days, not like Cabrini Green in more modern times, that when Jack the, Rip- the Ripper murders happened, people reading about this and seeing not photographs but like sketches of the east end in the rest of london it was like holy hell this place exists you know it was like it was like another planet going there 
And it was a stone's throw from where they all lived. Yeah. Another thing that um, kind of annoyed me in the beginning of the movie, I really, uh, what was her name? The the main character. Ellen. Um, Ellen. Ellen. She she annoyed me by like her not getting how dangerous the area was and kind of just yeah. being like, oh, this is my little homework I mean, assignment. If I can be weird and say white privilege. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what we said. We touched on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that the guys are calling up. 5-0 coming up when she's walking up the stairs. I'm like, 5-0 coming up. Yeah, (laughs) Bernadette even says. She's so out of her element. Yeah, Bernadette even says we look like cops. arsenal, and she's like, don't you know what we're doing? Yeah. I said dress conservatively. Yeah, we look like cops. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that isn't that doesn't that harken back to like the white privilege? Like we're here to help you. Like why don't you want our help? Isn't that doesn't that kind yeah. of ring and off? Yeah. I was that? really when I saw it, I was like, oh no, they're doing that whole like white woman saves the community thing. Right. Like, we're, oh, that's, that's gonna here. that's gonna really gonna piss me off. And then it didn't go that it way didn't work yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, right. Oh. It turns it on its head. Yeah. It turns it on its head. Yeah. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I read that. Didn't they make a deal with a gang? Yes. They had some real issues that, with gangs. Yeah. yeah that Cabrini, they, that they, Cabrini Green was a war zone. And they so they so they made a deal with a gang that they would put them in the film, right? Okay. Yeah. That's why I thought I thought I read that. Yeah. Yeah, their van got shot too. Yeah, apparently it was like the last day of filming. Their van got yeah. snipered. Wow. Wow. So they were just like, okay, we gotta yeah. go. Where were they in the film? Just like background? You know, when she shows up and they're like, you know, the Fuego or whatever, you know, those people just oh, in the background, they were all the gang members. Oh, wow. <laughs> as they filmed like hallway scenes and stairwell scenes. And so, so they actually went to Cabrini Green. Yeah. And um, yeah, to film those. Which was crazy in itself. Healthy, man. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah. That made me think of when Romero uh, hired the got the pagans to do the bikers in Dawn. It made me think about yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe smile a little bit on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was another fascinating uh, story that I kind of recently rediscovered when I was looking at the uh, Candyman panel from Horror Hound Indianapolis 2016, which was yeah, we missed that one. Weekend of my favorite Bernard Rose and Ted Raimi, and it's like, oh my god. But anyway, so. Uh, during researching Cabrini Green to make the film, that that whole part in the movie where someone breaks into someone's apartment through the, um, yep. uh, the window and the, the mirror in the bathroom. That's a real thing. That's a case yeah. that happened. Oh yeah. There were so, yeah. like that. Yes. Yeah. The, the apartments that get pretty green were like almost like cells, you know, mm-hmm. just stacked so tightly on top of one another that yeah, you could punch the wall and your hands in someone else's living room. I mean, I don't know how many people here have lived in or near pro- the projects. But, I live in the projects right now. Yeah, well, um, I grew up right near Hallville, and um, yeah, the, um, I had a friend who lived there, and you know, I guess it was okay because I, I felt she she was always assuring me, like this is, I don't know if I should tell this story, maybe not, never mind. But anyway, they are they are built like uh, they're not comfortable. Yeah. They're no. they're and 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 they they do it in such a way as to keep you in a cycle of poverty. I have been caught up in this system before. Yep. Um, I did live in some projects for a little bit. Um, when I was trying to get on my feet after uh, my young, I had a young marriage and uh, quickly followed by divorce. 
and I had to get on my feet. Sorry to hear that. Well, yeah, and so, and I had, you know, to, to take care of my children and, and things like that, and I lived in the projects. They weren't that bad because it was in a small, it was a small city. But you go to the bigger cities, um, they get worse. But they do keep you in the cycle of poverty. When you get caught up in that cycle, you can't get out. It's so hard to escape. I don't know how I managed, except for maybe him. No, he helped it's a, me. It's a it's a struggle, definitely. One of my favorite one of my favorite YouTube videos in horror is Tony Todd, an interview from some panel or something. I read saying, you know, I've but he says I've got so much respect for the people from Cabrini Green who pulled themselves out of that. Yeah, right. yeah, I but did. That, that that is an impossible yeah. climb. Yeah. It's so hard to get out of it anywhere you go, but especially, you know, really bad places like that, you know. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I imagine the mere fact that someone going for a job interview and someone's using their resume, oh, you're from Cabrini Green? Right. Yeah. Oh. Right. Like you are, you, you're trapped. You're, you're stuck in the, in the system. And, you know, um, the government doesn't care too much about you. They give you just enough to get by, just enough to survive, but you can't really live. You know, you're just surviving and you're in an uncomfortable environment that's not safe. And, you know, you and, know, and, and that's where characters like Candyman thrive. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought that was perfect because it's it's a crazy place that breeds a lot of insanity because you go nuts and, and there's a lot of violence and there's a lot of things because people it's, it's like rats. They'll turn on each other when they're caged up together. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's easy um, to breed that. Another thing I'm thinking of is um, a good remake for this would be uh, having it take place in the Indian reservations. That would mm. be interesting. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm for, listening to this and it's reminding me of a couple of you know, re- re- related, related note for a future episode, Candy, I'd love to do the two seasons of The Terror. Okay, yeah. Because they, they, they did do a season set in the Japanese internment camps. It's kind of the same theme there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cool. it is a recurring humanity theme. Yeah. But I, you know, um, the most uh, recent version of it <clears> is, <throat> is the people in poverty, the people living in projects, the the things that go on there, and how everybody kind of turns their nose up at them, you know. And these are just people trying to get by. Yeah. And um, I think the, I think the the thing that I love about this movie so much is that it breaks that stigma of the black man in horror movies. Yes. Yeah. You, and it, and it turns it on, turns it on its head, much like, you know, Night of the Demons did, you know, where yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like Roger, you know, the last survivor, Roger the last survivor. The guy, man. And it was like, Roger. "Whoa, what's this?" It's like normally, they ain't getting me. Normally black yeah. guys one of the first ones to die, you They're know? And the smartest though. Right. Roger right. was definitely the smartest. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he he like, said, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." So so you know, so that so coward. Yeah, and this one you you know the villain is the black man, but but he's not a villain like 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 David yeah. said. Not not a caricature. Yeah, yeah. It's he's different, you know, and I think that that's what he's makes this movie multi-dimensional. Yeah, it's what makes this movie he's, so powerful. He's real. Like I said he's an Avenger. He's yeah. anti of sort. Um, and what I what I also liked about this film was it it addressed um. The, as we were saying, kind of like the white privilege in it, but in in a way where it's like she's she said she's like oh I'm living in a place that used to be in the the beginning of the movie she's like 
look, this used to be a, um, like the, a project area, like, like, look at this. And now it's like, you know, and then the woman goes like, Oh, how much did you pay for this apartment? You know, like, right. <laughs> so it's like, like how, how are you fooling? And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so it's like, it's there's that revival thing where they're like, we're going to revamp this part of the city. Yeah. yeah. And gentrification. And, uh, t- yeah. and it oh, kind yeah. of took, like kind of the privilege she had and stripped that completely away. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, well now you can see what it's like being kind of like this societal, uh, uh, like right. reject outcast. in many ways. Yeah. Outcast in many ways. Yeah. And, and this and, way, and not having done anything to deserve it. This is like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Remake. Mm-hmm. Obviously it Long caught Jordan Peele's attention. This is our first really well done black horror film. Candyman is. It has not been equaled until, mm. well, I mean, until, until Jordan Peele really did get out, is do we have, like, a really good I, uh, horror film? I I, uh, I think Blackula is very well done. Well, uh, I think Blackula. But see, the thing is, they were caricatured, though. This is, like, serious shit. No, no, like he was—he was a very uh, uh, dignified person. Like the the fact that he was called Blackula was kind of like a derogatory thing by Dracula, who turns him into a vampire in the movie. But like he was a—he like his, in Blackula, he was a very dignified character. He was a prince, you know, and uh, he was looking for his long lost love. And I—I I, I think that's a very well done. But uh, like, yeah, like in between that, you have like you know. The, the black exploitation horror you have like Blackenstein and yeah, Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde where it's just like yeah Tales like, in the Hood well hey Daniel no, Tales from the, the Hood is awesome Black Devil Doll from, 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 from Hell oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. well, you gotta remind me of that no we, we, we will bench that title from our memories the same as Hard Rock Zombies. No. Have you even watched it? Please. No, and I don't want to. I saw a clip and that was enough. I saw like three minutes and that yeah, was enough. Yeah, just the clip, I was like, oh, kill me, please. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Die, die a horrible death. But thanks for that, Daniel. Of course. Oh, welcome. <laughs> Daniel Just has to you. remind us about the uh, 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 Black Devil Dolphin Hell in every episode. <laughs> oh, I was just curious who here has watched the Shutter documentary Horror Noir. It's on my list. I just watched the the eighties ones in Search of Darkness, uh, which they're doing a sequel to. The first one was like four hours long. I had to watch it in like segments, but. Um, Horror Noir is definitely on my list on Shutter. It is totally worth watching. One kind of interesting point that um, their group of panelists brought up, although they had overwhelmingly positive things to say about Candyman, at one point one of the women says, you can kind of tell this came from the mind of a white guy. Uh, he's like, why, why is Candyman, uh, you know, predominantly killing poor black people? I mean, he himself is a victim of racial injustice and he is perpetuating yeah. that on people who are already suffering. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I think that. Like, it's like what Daniel said, you know, it's like he, he, he would rather rest in peace, but they compel him to live through their fear of him. So it, it, it makes him a, almost a vengeful spirit in a way. Like, please just leave me alone. Like, and, you know, just let me rest, damn it. And if anything, he's kind of like the only thing kind of keeping that community in check in terms of yes. like what you can or can't do. Is right. That that fear. Yeah. 
thing. Absolutely. So, so yeah. Then, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, so then I guess if this is an okay time to bring up my my weird Bernard Rose experience. Yes, yes. Let's hear okay. it. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. <laughs> um, you know, just, just in terms of, like, when you talk to me, he's, like, very intelligent. You see a movie like Candyman and, you know, it's all these kind of socially thoughtful, progressive, you know, elements to it. And, but then when you <clears throat> talk to him, they're, like some things in his viewpoint that are just like kind of like ooh, that's uncomfortable so uh he was asking me about goes the there I was working uh, at the time i was a domestic violence uh, advocate doing threat assessment work doing work with sexual assault victims and this kind of thing and he's he's like so like tell me, like, why do women go back to their abusers? Do they like the attention? He wasn't joking. He was very upset. So wow. I was kind of like, oh, I'm like, no, there are a lot of reasons why women go back to their abusers. I've never seen it that they like, like the attention that they get while they're abused. So it's like, I, I just felt kind of strange having to explain that. Um, yeah, I see that. Cringy. So, I mean, that was kind of weird moment number one um and then he like swapped phone numbers with me wanted to follow up with me about you know like what's threat assessment uh. about um so then later after I, I get home and he's like can we do a video chat i'm like well i'm i'm really not in the video chats and it, it just became <laughs> a weird thing it's like i don't want to do a video chat and then he Be like my uh, yeah and then <laughs> I did not want to talk to me anymore <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, wow. So cringy. Oh my god. Wow. Oh, I feel so I feel so dirty. Excuse me a moment. Uh, uh, um, so then that, that made me kind of reevaluate some of his other work that I liked. Like I'm in the minority for liking um, a film that he did um, I think from 2005 called Snuff Movie. It's this very meta horror uh, over the top thing. I, at the, when I saw it, I thought this was a commentary about misogyny and about uh, you know the media influencing real uh, you know violence and that kind of thing. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe the misogyny is real and it's not a commentary <laughs> about misogyny. <laughs> yeah, and people are are still ignorant to say things like that. Like, why would you say something like that? It just shows like an insensitivity. Yeah. Um, definitely some misogyny. Because I can tell you, as a domestic abuse victim, sometimes you go back because you have nowhere else to go. Yeah. You have nowhere else to be. No one is going to take you in. You can't afford to live on your own because you have this life with this person. You can't afford it, and you're stuck. That's why you go back. You don't go back for attention because nobody likes that kind of attention. No. You, you try to be a wraith when you are in a domestic abuse situation. You know, I am also an advocate for it, and I would... I, I don't think I would have been as calm and collected as you. <laughs> but it's like, okay, why don't we swap lives for a minute? You go live through what I've lived through, and then you would be really upset if somebody asked you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that uh, he needs someone like you to, like, like he says that again. I and, then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, so no. now you learn, right? Survivor, bitch, a survivor. That's why I'm the final girl, okay? Yeah. I'm so great. <laughs> No, no, no. We need we need somebody like Jenna to kick his ass because like, <laughs> Jenna could do it. <laughs> me and Jenna go in tag team. Get some of me on. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
no, 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 let me, let me tell you like that. Him if he likes the attention he gets from it. <laughs> oh, let me, let, let me tell you, I, I, I know, I know, it, uh, I, I've seen Jenna's uh, Instagram post. Jenna uh, can thoroughly kick the ass of like him and probably everybody in this chat. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, be the muscle and I'll be the mouse. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And Erica can just and just be like with her presence because she's got a very intimidating presence sometimes. Not in a bad way. Like you just have a very strong presence. <laughs> I appreciate that about you, Erica. Um, j- just just may I say on my behalf, I apologize to you, Candy, and the audience that virtually every episode I gotta get up to pee at some point, but I've been put on a blood pressure medication, and uh, it's mostly water, so it's kind of yeah. Okay. Thank you, thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I, I just want to make my explanation. So, uh, the, uh, I'm going to be cheesy, and I'm going to, um, I know I asked Ian, but um, what's everybody's, like, favorite scene? It doesn't have to be, like, the coolest scene or whatever, but what struck you the most? What scene really stays with you? Can I do one? Uh, go ahead, Dave. When, when he kills, when he kills the uh, psychiatrist, the doctor... And, and, and that guy, tell me that guy didn't have about to die, just, you know, stenciled <laughs> on his fucking brain. Tell me he didn't have, about, I really wish somebody would kick his ass on him. <laughs> but the thing about that death is, uh, it was it was the payoff to what we were talking about earlier, where we where we just kind of got the sounds, the grunting, and, and the yeah. tearing. <sighs> and in that one, but in that kill, you get, I have to do a little visual, you get to see Tony Todd, he does this thing where he's like pulling the hook, uh, you see him doing the thing with his shoulder where he's tearing the guy up with his, and you hear the tearing, so it's very visceral and very, and, and that guy fucking had it coming all day long. Yeah, so he did. That, Sorry. That's my, that's my favorite scene. That's good. Groin, groin to gullet. Groin yes. to gullet, yeah. It's like, oh, thanks for that. You know? So go next. Yeah, definitely, uh, I definitely got to go with uh, where he kills Bernadette. That, just that striking image of like her just being, like when she enters the apartment and the door slams. And there and, he like, is. <laughs> Right, she's you can you all you, you start with her fearful expression and she's terrified and then you just cut to him, then his hook, and then just the sounds of him just her screaming like horribly. Yeah. That horrible like that just and just uh, uh, then the, the the tearing of her flesh and it's just like Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um for for me it's when he's floating above her in the hospital. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one. like fucking against the restraints. The the thing to me is how he goes under the hospital bed, and when when the orderlies come in, she's saying he's under there. Look for him. He's under there. You assume yeah. that he's probably vanished, but at this point, no one believes her. So for all you know, he's under there laughing his head off at her. Yeah. 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 Totally. Well, I'm I'm with Rob. I got to go with the the Bernadette scene. It was there was a lot of power in that scene. Absolutely. It, it was, was just, yeah. Also, um, uh, not to not to you know interrupt anybody, but uh, but I also like that about it. We, we there's a character we haven't talked about yet in Trevor, the asshole husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I like, hate that guy. What a fucker. Here, here's the, here's the thing. Like Tre- Trevor is an asshole. Fuck Trevor. You know he's cheating yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. Fuck Trevor. And, Right, and you know she's to- and it's sad because she's completely emotionally dependent on him, and she's in love with. She's obviously she's like when she directed like Trevor, hold me please. Yeah. But what I like, I'm not I'm not having any sympathy for Trevor, but it's, yeah, it's no. obvious he there's a there's a portion of him that's still in love with her because that right before she gets up from the bed, 
and like you know she sees Bernadette's dead body. There's a brief shot of him, and like you know he's he's in like you know in like a crying stance, and you can see like he's like angry crying, like yeah. you know that you know that just that you know because he's con- he's completely conflicted on like you know how he's feeling right now because you know he obviously he believes she just murdered Bernadette, yeah. but. It's obvious there's there's a portion of him that still loves her. Doesn't want to believe it. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, and like, you know, he's cheating on it with the fucking college girl. What was her name? Amber or whatever. Stacy. Yeah. Little little plucky little bitch. Um (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but um you you see, even at the end, after Helen has died, he's just so remorseful because it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, he it's obviously this is his fault, you know what I'm saying? And you know, he eventually gets his comeuppance. Yeah, she does. Cause fuck Trevor, but uh, I, I just want to. I also thought that that moment after burning that kill was striking, where it's just like you know he's just completely, in, almost in hus- quite hysterics, like how conflicted he is about the situation. Yeah. Yes. Um, what also is like powerful about that movie is that the, no one's like one dimensional in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's kind of fast. Closest, yeah. Like I guess uh, his that that girlfriend, she's like the closest thing to a one dimensional character, really. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I think she's meant to be like she's just a plucky little blonde bitch, you know. Yeah, too. and it's like in, and it's in like you know um, the the woman's perspective, so obviously. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> on that note, I'm gonna say something a little controversial here. I'll be quiet. Since it was mentioned that whole, well, this was made from a white man's perspective. Um, talking about the the asshole ex husband there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of argue for that element of how to say it, just the asshole ex husband who still wants to be a part of her life, not realizing this much more dominant much more masculine, much more powerful black man <laughs> is now the, do- the dominant masculine figure of her life. Yes, yes totally. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> there's so many things like that that you can say about this film that it's so, it can go... There's, there's layers. Like wait, it's just so many different things that yeah. you can just jump off with, you know? Um, who hasn't, who it is made to be controversial, like. Yeah, <laughs> be controversial. Be my controversial. And they did it down even, but still, I think it, it's just, yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful look at everything. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the film. Dimension of, you know, horror that we needed to have. You know, it was really inspirational to, you know, other movies that came later, you know, it, it just needed to happen. Um, who hasn't set a scene? Erica, did you pick one? I have not yet. Okay. Um, I guess Please. I just love the Candyman monologue scenes where he's yeah. telling, telling Can't about argue with that. trying to seduce her. It's just so cool. His delivery of those lines like just makes the whole movie for me, honestly. And I also dig that scene where there's a bunch of bees in his mouth. That oh, come that's out. fine. That's my pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's, it's, that's my favorite. Um, you know, where he's going to kiss her, and he's got all the bees coming out of his mouth. By the way, he had a stipulation that he got $1,000 per stick. Oh, yeah. $20,000 he made just getting stung. Pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. His, his description of how he did that was great. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. He just said, I, I had a dental block to keep them from going to my throat, and I had false yeah. steel. 
and, and the bees yeah. had to be specifically 12 hours old because they looked old yeah. enough to be mature right. bees, but not enough where their sting would be powerful enough to like really do damage. Yeah, and Virginia Madsen is uh, allergic to bees. So they mm. had to have paramedics on whenever they oh, put the bees on. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but my favorite. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it's sort of like the there's a couple where you know you get like the whole where she's almost like in a trance where she was they hypnotized her. Um, but by the way, Bernard Rose uh, yeah. had her hypnotized, and you and it comes across so well. Uh, sure. the I hate that it it got um that they, that they did that, but at the same time it really worked. So I'm kind of conflicted. But you know when he when she sees him like her she just goes, you know, big eyed, you know, little tears. It's almost like she's like desperately in love with him, and she just can't yeah. help herself. Yeah. You know, like the, and you know me, I'm the big romantic. You know, we we is this sort of touching along the lines of the Brimstoker Dracula again, and I was at that age. But so like you know the whole it was kind of like this weird romantic kind of thing to me when with the bee kiss and you know the way that she just couldn't stop succumbing to him. You know the way that it harkens back to you know his lost love and you know. All that and the, the way he says Helen, yeah. I can't do it. I have a high pitched voice, <laughs> but it is really, it's really so. Yeah, I mean, it's it. I love the gore scene. <laughs> Not really the gore scenes. I mean, just I, I love the kills and, and and all that. Um, and I love the atmosphere. But like those scenes between those two, almost every one is my favorite scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's you know for me as somebody who is a gore hound who, you know, I absolutely love gore in me films. <laughs> the bees terrified me more. Yeah, the bees. Like I can actually agree on that. Just as a as an actor myself, the kind of willpower it must have taken to keep a straight face with those damn things crawling on you and in your mouth. (laughs) Tony Todd's a fucking legend. Oh yes. What a badass. And then having that stipulation for every time you get something, you get a thousand dollars. I'm like, wow, he. I don't blame him for that one. Yeah. But I mean, uh, the bravery. I don't know if I'd still be that brave for a thousand dollars a sting. I'm like, that's a sting though in my mouth. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. If I see one bee, I'm Buffalo Bill with my dick between my legs running through the yard. <laughs> I can't even imagine putting, you know. Uh, I'm, no, me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm visualizing that right now. I, I'm not going to visualize that. You should see it from the backside. Oh, 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 oh. Why are we back on dick? Oh, Daniel started it. I, I didn't say nothing this time. <laughs> but for me, I'm not afraid of Sorry. bees. I'm actually not. A bee gets on me and I just chill. Because if you're like, um, you're hornets, hornets, yeah, hornets and wasps are cunts with wings. <laughs> These were spikes. Another image. Another image. And, and they don't nice. die from it because the sting from a bee will disembowel the bee and yeah. kill it. But hornets, they're, they have the straight stinger. Yeah, 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 yeah. They can sting you over and over. I've been stung like 15 times by one. I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> I was on like fucking Death Wish mission on that. I'm like, I'm going to kill that. <laughs> Related note, what the hell happened with the, the, the murder hornets this year? They kind of vanished. They They're got probably go. coming soon after the they, fires they got, die down. Yeah, yeah. They got pushed to the side for the, the next. That's 2021. That's 2021. They figured the U.S. has enough fucking problems right now. They're like, yeah, we'll come back later. We're done. We, yeah. we, 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 yeah. Maybe we should save this. Yeah. Save this for another time. I'm, st- I'm still waiting on the asteroid. 
Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, wait, no, that one, the one with Jesus on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same one. That purple meteor. Yeah, that, be, not the asteroid. That'll be December's big uh, present for us, and so yeah. can't wait for that. Yeah, I'm anxious for the October surprise. Oh yeah, totally. And that's um that's also what I liked about watching this film as of now, especially living in Philadelphia, where like there is a lot of tension right now, like between yeah. racial tension in general. Um, and good luck, by the way. <laughs> thanks. Um, <laughs> like especially in um uh you know this this one part called Fishtown, where you've got like these like poor white people mainly and they had uh baseball bats next to the cops waiting yeah. for protesters to come into their neighborhood and the cops it. just yeah didn't do anything <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah so it's like watching this i it just getting the the comeuppance in it i liked <laughs> Yeah, having, totally. having to have to see this stuff. And, yeah, I mean, this know, is like, the, the climate that we are in, particularly this year um, and right now. Um, I think this film, you know, is still so relevant and it's still so important to have this in our horror catalogs because it's yeah. it's almost real life horror in a way. If yeah. you, you know, there's so many things that you could like, if you were to sit down and write a fucking paper about it, like, okay, this can symbolize that and this can symbolize that, you know, and, it's, and it all still is relevant mm-hmm. today. You know, especially right now, I'm like, I'm confused. I'm like, did we go back in time? What <laughs> happened here? Right. Yeah. This isn't right. No. We just never left. <laughs> no, it, was, it never left. It's just, yeah. we but now suddenly they have a voice that's louder than I like it. But horror movies are cathartic because we get to, a lot of times we get to see people get what they deserve yeah. in horror movies. Now, we were talking in Candyman, it's interesting because a lot of his victims really didn't deserve it. A couple of them, the doctor mm-hmm. and the asshole husband. Yeah. I think in general, horror movies are cathartic because we, you know at the beginning who's going to get it. This guy's an asshole. You know, mm-hmm. she's that. And Particularly with your 80s horror films. Yeah, right. They're totally, like, you know who's going to get it, and they had it coming. It's cathartic. Yeah. And we talked about that. Like, it's the, it's the genre where you can root for people to die. You're like, I yeah. can't wait to listen Yeah, stuff. exactly. You're rooting. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're like, like, oh, my God, or this asshole. He's so stupid. Fucking kill him, please. I'm right. tired. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Talking about, the, talking about you know, the need for better black horror, and thank goodness for Jordan Peele and whatnot, just... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. A long-time dream of mine is a real dark gothic interpretation of Heart of Darkness. Mm. That would be amazing. Because particularly, again, being a lover of history and seeing things going on now, it's like people think, well, where did all this come from? Those scars don't go away. Yeah, they, right. they don't. You know, you know, Cabrini Green is long gone. That scar is going to be in Chicago yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Heart of Darkness, that would really be fit for that. Definitely. Yeah, that's. Well, so, yeah, it's about a white guy going into the jungle. I'm bringing you civilization, and then he fucking gets absorbed by it. And you know, it, it, just like this, we were talking about them going to the projects. Hey, we're we're white, and we're here to. Don't you want us here to document all this? It's the same. Yeah, it's you know the white people going into bad places saying. You know, why don't you want us and here? And you still understand why everyone's Easier. angry about that. It's we're, like you don't we're understand here to, what goes on we're here. We're here to help. You know, so, yeah. so, as we bring them collar-ridden blankets 
and you know, <laughs> fucking you know, polo. We're here to help. Well, it's that's like my. <laughs> we you have know, a history of fucking people. And that's why, man, we we are overdue for a native horror movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, <laughs> genocide. And to, and to touch on that, what you were saying, Dave, like Wendigo. That's that's Wendigo. My... I was Wendigo. I was gonna say yeah. grown out of the fucking neck. Oh my god, we we should do an episode on that one. I didn't. Oh I haven't god. seen that one yet. Oh my god, yeah. But but what you were saying, Dave, like that's that's my whole view on like like, and this is off topic, but how America handles the Middle East. You know, mm. we go in, we show up. It's like here, here's democracy, democracy good, and you it's should like, love it. Yeah, and it's like you don't understand our culture, you don't understand our our belief system, you don't understand how things work. You're not trying to work with us. You're just giving us stuff, and maybe we didn't ask for that. Right. You know, I'm I'm gonna probably this won't make the final cut of the episode, but story from Mar- Marlon Brando, you know, the god of cinema. Uh, he was he, so he was fucking guy. He was very active in a lot of different radical groups, including the Black Panthers. Yeah, also with and, Native Americans, yeah. Yeah, with Native Americans in particular, but story from his autobiography about how one particular Black Panther, a prominent guy, I can't remember the name, they became friends. And this guy got gunned down by the FBI. And Brando went to his funeral. And he tried to be respectful, tried to be solemn. But the whole time, these other Black Panthers were standing there glaring at him like they wanted to kill him. And during during the service, one of them outright said to him, you don't belong here. And that Brando, rather than be mad and be resentful, he walked away saying, you know what, they're right. I don't. I can't understand what these men are doing and why they're doing it because I was born white in America. I have not lived what they've lived. Right. Totally. And I'm all about like, yeah, we should help people out, but you have to be kind and you have to be respectful of the culture. And and that's, you know, racial culture, religion, you know, anything like that. We have to be respectful, you know, and obviously I'm a white woman, um, kind of what my mom calls a dog from every European town. Uh, is my genetic makeup, you know, technically an immigrant here. Uh, I come from immigrant status. But, uh, you know, I I don't agree with how things went down, you know, but I, I can't also at the same time say I completely understand anyone else's struggle. You know, I have lived my struggle, but it's not that person's struggle. It's not this racist struggle. It's not this, you know, creeds. You know, there, there's so much, like, we can't just go in and think we can save the day like fucking Mighty Mouse. Like, you have to be respectful, and I don't. I think the respect is missing. Yeah. You know, we don't have the respect. We're just like, oh, we're coming to save the day, and then we're like, mm, maybe you should educate yourself first and think of a good way to maybe talk this out, or you know, like there's steps. Well, you know, going back to Jack the Ripper, when the Ripper murders were going on, you had reporters, you had all these criminologists descending on the East End of London, and. I can imagine that for the East Enders, it must have been like, "What the hell are you doing here, you jerk?" Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't belong here. You think you understand us? You know, everybody wants to be the hero, but you know, you can't just burst in and, and be a hero. That's not how that works. You have to know. You have to understand. You have to be respectful. Yeah. And and I and I like that that in this film, you would you would think you know like like they, we touched on the beginning of of the episode. That, you know, here's the white woman, the white privilege, and she's going to go save the black community. That didn't happen. You know, it was very real. Because that's not how that works. 
And, and that's um, what I liked about that movie was yeah when, um, was especially when um, she's she's in there and then you know the the other guy who says he's Candyman like the guy. Like, yeah, and then he pokes her in the eye with a thing or whatever, What's, and yeah, then uh, it the cuts hook. immediately to her in the police station, and you're like, "Yup, I knew that was coming." Yeah, there we go. And the the kid's a... mad. The little kid's like, "Why did you do that? Now the right. man's gonna get me." Like, you should... <laughs> I told you. It's just gonna right. That's, uh... what are you talking about? <laughs> that was my opening line. I heard you looking for Candyman, bitch. Yep. Found them. <laughs> and that sound effect, that sound effect when he smacks her in the eye with that hook, I was like, oh shit, man. Yeah. I, I there were good that. sound effects in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I felt yeah. that. It was like, yeah. yeah, that was a good scene. You know, the sound effects reminded me of, um, uh, oh my God, Tom McFarlane's uh, uh, thing. Spawn. Spawn. But yeah. the TV show, you know how like the TV we'll show. We'll get to that. Like, <laughs> It had like such like like the the voices were all like very low. Um, Keith David and Tony Todd. Yes. Yeah. The best voices ever. Yeah. Yeah. Like just all all of that and like every you could hear every little thing like that happen. Oh, I love that. Like ASMR as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And ads. I have said a future episode we should do is horror and animation. Spawn would have to be in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's some good ones out there, definitely. And I'm a big animation fan, so, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to do that. What was and another? On a, on, a, on a related note today, 30th anniversary of the Disney afternoon, hashtag gargoyles. Oh, <laughs> I used to love that show. <laughs> oh, my God. Keith David, man. Keith oh, so David. I, I thought you were talking about the movie. Remember the movie? I was, 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 yeah, the movie. The movie, oh, yeah. The movie gargoyles. So, yeah. Yeah. We should cover uh, that. Young Scott Glenn. Uh, that scared the piss <laughs> out of me when I was a kid. Also, uh, also a young Sam Fucking Urban Cowboy. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I watched Urban Cowboy a lot when I was younger. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to explain myself to you. (laughs) No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) 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 Can I ask a question? I want to. I wanted to ask Ian. We were talking earlier about um, that uh, you didn't that, that in Scotland you don't have you don't have uh, a parallel to like a bringing. So what if you had to name one Scottish horror movie that summed up that like captured the essence of what is was to live? What would it be like? Is there one that you can name that I should maybe seek out? I mean, oh, I mean, Scottish horror movies aren't really a thing. Really? <laughs> um, was that black um, sheep? I, I was going to say John Soldier, but New that's, Zealand. That, that, that's, that's, oh. Yeah, I know. See, wait, wait, wait. Oh, fucking Americans like, well, you got a funny I'm accent. American. It must be I, I don't know anything. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> um, uh, no, was, I mean. Pardon. Was Stitches Scottish? It was Stitches was Irish. Irish. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just throwing my hand down now in church. I knew it was in the UK. I'm terribly sorry. We're, we're so Ireland sorry. is not in the UK either. Well, the Republic is not in the UK. we're so sorry. We're so sorry. No, no, not at all. I know. I, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting down on my floor here. I'm getting down. I on retract the okay. fucking question. We're, we're all embarrassing ourselves. I gotta say that when I think of Scottish movies, I think of Train Spotting. Or Brainstorm. Yeah, everyone always thinks about. Transpond's actually a pretty, pretty good movie. Yeah, 
poor representation of Scottish people. It's not. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, I didn't think that was it. But now I I'm just, just now I'm just He's one of my favorite actors, and I really love his work. But you know, the first time I saw him in anything was uh, in Train Spotting, and boy, that movie is just not a comfortable movie to watch. <laughs> no, it's absolutely not. Count me out. In terms of like Scottish horror, though, I think there's like two films I can actually think of. One of which is Dog Soldiers. I was yeah, going um, to say Dog Soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with which, that. Uh, which uh, I, I love. I love that film. I'm not sure how good a representation it is of Scottish people. <laughs> You're not all so, werewolves. Okay, we're good. We tend, tend to be a bit hairy sometimes, but um, that's probably about it. Uh, the other one is uh, The Descent, which some of it, a lot of it was filmed in Scotland as well. Um, but again, movie, you know that's yeah. that's not that's, really that that's big. Top ten. That's top ten hard. That's top ten hard. Oh, um, well, if, yeah. if you could make a Scottish horror movie, what would it be? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think I. I mean, I know I just said that Trainspotting isn't like a good representation of Scottish people, but I think I would have to use like meth heads. <laughs> like, <laughs> and make, wow, like, like, wow. like meth zombies. Like a math zombie virus. You took wow. the words out of my mouth. There. Yeah. <laughs> the Scottish Board of Tourism is not going to be reaching out to you now. Sorry no, for that. No, I don't So Scotland's like Florida. Significantly. Look at the sound of most states. Holy shit. That's the interesting thing about American horror is that we are so regional. You know, I we live in the Midwest, and you know, so we always have there's Midwestern horror, you know, like suburbia type stuff, and then you've got like East Coast, you know, style things, and then you've got your Southern stuff, and then there's, you know, West Coast, and there, you know, what I mean, like there's just so many like New England, there's all these different things, and everything is so different. All you have to do is travel a couple of states and you're a completely different place, completely different culture, mm. a completely different style uh, of eating. One, th- yeah. one thing I will sorry. say, sorry to interrupt, is um, you know, you're saying there about it being sort of regionalized and sort of maybe the differences. Some of the differences that I noticed between like UK horror and US horror, and this is bringing it back to Candyman and maybe a reason why I love mm-hmm. it so much, is that sometimes, especially over here, there's a perception of US horror to be really like polished and clean. Um, whereas Candy, whereas Candyman um, is a very gritty film, and that sort of lines up quite a lot with a lot of UK horror movies. UK horror movies tend to be, you know, a bit dark and gritty, and you know, a bit gothic and things like that. And I think Candyman sort of aligns itself really well with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, on that topic Candyman. Oh, sorry, go ahead. On the of regionality, there uh, for Ian in particular, um, have you seen like you know? Um, Basket case and uh, trash. <laughs> oh, street trash. Oh, street trash. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've not seen street trash. Great damage. Because <laughs> there, there, there are several of us in this group that can attest. Yeah, New York really was like that in the eighties. Seventies, the eighties, it really was like that. Jason so, takes Manhattan. We just did. Uh, we just released our Jason right. takes Manhattan <laughs> episode, and we, they, you know, a lot of them are from New Jersey and New York, and they, they saw, you know. New York in the 80s, and they painted it in Jason Hicks, Manhattan as, like, absolute shit. A shithole with toxic waste and junkies, like, right off the boat or something. Right. And so, like, I mean, oh, I've never, yeah. I didn't be different because I've never been to New York. I've never been, I've been um, on the East Coast, but I've never been to New York. I've never been in Jersey. 
I've never been to any of those places. I live in the Midwest, and it's boring here. So we're all New York. New York today is Disneyland compared to what it was in the 70s. And 80s. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> we don't have anything exciting here, though. People don't really make movies about the Midwest because it's boring. Like my oh, state, Minneapolis, about- there's the suburbs, and then there's corn. Yeah. That's it. Okay. All you have to do you're is speaking about <laughs> not having anything exciting. I'm just jealous of all these like horror cons and horror icons that you no, guys are all getting to meet because we have absolutely nothing like that over here. We get an amazing one that comes to the Midwest called Horror Hound, and it is just amazing. I love it. It that's I'm so glad that it's a Midwest thing, you know, that we get that. So so Ian, they don't they don't do horror cons in Scotland. I think there's like a couple of very very small ones, but we I mean they're 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 absolutely tiny, especially in comparison to like what you guys have got over there. That's just right. it's just not comparable at all. I mean, I, hey, I went to a horror yeah. flea market last week, but at least I got to meet Felissa Rose. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Halloween. I think I was I I went to I, I think it was the one in Cherry Hill, Jersey that I went to. Oh, yeah. Monster Mania. Long yeah, I think it was Monster Mania. This is like a long time ago. Like I can't even remember like when this was. Like maybe right after high school or something like that. But this was like during when Burn Notice was really popular and it was a small little thing. Like it wasn't that big, but Bruce Campbell was there. And Freddie Krueger. Her son is named Ash. England. Oh, are, really? <laughs> yeah, his name's Ash. So we went to meet Bruce Campbell and I embarrassed myself, but in the story. Um, yeah. He's going to hate you for the rest of your lives for that, by the way. Oh, yeah. He's going to be like, that's that weird bitch that slimed me with lotion. And I'm like, that's. that's uh, no, I meant your son's going to hate you for naming him Ash. Girl. No, I'm like, you're going to get so many chicks. He's 13. Our girls are grown, but um, he's our baby at 13. There's a big age gap between him and his sisters. And, you know, I'm like, you're going to get so many chicks because your name's Ash. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's not in the horror movies, though. He, he is. He's, he, he is. He's got to drop one-liners, though. Yeah, he's like got to He's got to be like Groovy Bruce. Uh, no, we actually, we, we set him down one night and we showed him. I, th- I may have mentioned this before, but we, we showed him The Exorcist. And, you know, we played this off like this is the scariest horror movie, blah, blah, blah. It's widely considered that. We got through this whole movie, and we looked at him, and we're like, so what'd you think? And he was like, that's it? We're like, <laughs> really? He's more, he's he's very into it, and Pennywise is his thing right yeah, now. Yeah, the new it. Um, the new it. Uh, the old it. I'm like, Tim Curry was amazing. Fuck the rest of the movie, but he was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Tim Curry is a fucking legend, but... Yeah, I mean, he's he likes newer films, but he did he did see uh, the Evil Dead films because I was like, you have to, so you understand. Your namesake. Your your Ash, you know. <laughs> um, my kids have horror themed names. <laughs> so yeah, but um, I'm like, you're gonna get so many jokes later. Yeah, once he gets out of this awkward, I'm 13 phase. But he is into horror. All of our kids are into horror. We go to horror cons as the family. Um, I'm not, my mom was, you know, the same way with me. Like, I was really young, and she's like, what's the living dead? And I'm like, six. I'm like, okay. I, 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 I wonder how often he knows he's he's mentioned how many times in the show. Like, what was the last time? <laughs> I tell what, what was the last time? During, during, during the infamous Dicks episode, where the episode became all about the dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Ash does not listen to the show because we are an uncool. 
were yeah. his parents. Like, oh, oh. Be cool because oh. he knows that we, you know, we let our kids have a lot of liberties. I believe in freedom for children. Um, you know, let like them explore who they are within, you know, I have some very loose boundaries, but you know, like freedom to, to figure out yourself and, and to like what you like and all this shit. So, you know, we're pretty loose parents as far as like rules and they, he does appreciate that. They, all of them do. And they've grown up to be really wonderful children. Yeah. And, and so that, that completely goes against that whole horror corrupts or video games corrupt. Cause we all are gamers too. And, and that's just, Fuck all that shit. My kids are good kids. Yeah. And we turned out to be good people, so fuck it. <laughs> we grew up on horror, so your argument is invalid. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, every kid goes through that phase where they just feel like their parents are just the uncoolest motherfuckers on the planet. You know, like, I thought that before. Like, you know, now, like, you know. We all do. My mom and my dad are the coolest motherfuckers well, on the planet. So really, obviously, personal. Ash is the one that's most like me. He's very emotional, like just sensitive. He's a sensitive guy, but he's playing it off now that he's hit puberty that he's he's like a tough guy or whatever. Like, I don't really care or whatever. But he knows that, you know, that he's always been a mommy's boy. So he'll just go out of his way and be like, hey, mom, I love you. I'm going to play Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate that one later. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He's just calling him a mama's boy. <laughs> He knows he's a mommy's boy. He just won't admit it yet. He will eventually. Uh, <laughs> I just won't admit it yet. She, she said mommy's boy. Uh, you said it, not me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not, it's not like in a bad connotation. It's just like... No, no, no. Oh, no, not at all. No, no, was, no. How could that be bad? No, it was, okay. it, was your fra- it was your phrasing, Candy. You said mommy's boy. That's the worst <laughs> way you can say it. Mommy's yeah. boy is fine. You gotta say mommy's boy. I don't... Mommy's boy is fine. Mommy, you said mommy's boy. That's the one. Okay, look, I'm having a little trouble dealing with the fact that he's growing up because he's the baby. So, okay, yeah, I use the term mommy because he's still my baby. That's what I was mentioning, where where Sean was like, oh, he's in his room doing his thing. And he was like, oh, my God, no, I don't want to hear that about my baby. (laughs) He's my baby. And it's easier for me with the girls. I mean, they're 20 and 18. But because uh, I'm a female and we can bond, but I don't know how to bond with boys. Because my bro- I have younger brothers, and but they're um, did, gay. Did they Jenna fall asleep? I don't know. No, my no, brother- no. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay, just quick, and I'll shut up. Oh, my brothers are younger than me, but it's like growing up with them. They they've always been gay since they were little. So we we play Barbies and put on dresses and stuff. And so I don't know how to deal with a straight young man. Like, I don't yeah, know. like, who, who the fuck am I, right? Well, that's why he hangs out with you. He says, hey, Mom, I love you. I'm going to go hang out with Dad. Thanks. See, I didn't, I didn't have moms. My mom was very uh, honest and open with me. Like, I one time asked her when I was 12, like, Mommy, what's a twat? And she said, a pussy. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> that my mom. But, that was helpful. I okay, so what's a pussy? Like, like, like. Like my mom is straight like that. Like my mom would combat my my girlfriends and be like, uh, like this. Don't complain to me, you know what I'm saying? Because you're upset because my son cleans your fucking pipes out. I don't give a shit. <laughs> is your mom from New York? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, we're, we're, wow. We're raised in Brooklyn, New York, and and it absolutely shows. <laughs> There's no other place she could have been. Oh my God. That's great. That's my mom. So, 
Sigmund Freud is up in heaven looking down going, oh my fucking God. Yeah, 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 yeah I did well. I'm struggling with yeah. my son growing up. I'm sorry. I, I, I just want to say this is 20 minutes of my life that I'm going to have to edit out now. So thank you. <laughs> you better not. No, you leave the shit and this shit stays in. This shit stays. Okay, how many, is, is anybody else here besides, I, I know Dave is, but anybody else have kids? No. Okay, so Dave gets it. He's got a daughter. Yeah, and actually, and that's I've I've talked about her, uh, Zoe. Uh, She's so cute. The way that she and I have bonded through horror—that that's our main horror and video games. The yes, violent video. She and I have bonded through this, and that's my more general. My love of horror is the bonding I've gotten with my daughter through it, even at much earlier than probably I should have. Right. Same. She, and to this day, she loves horror movies. She just she she's uh, in uh, a school here in Atlanta at SCAD. Uh, wants to be a film producer. She just sent me a text. She needs ideas for like short, like five minute horror movies. She's still doing it, and yeah. and, and that's what she and I have bonded over was the that's love awesome. of horror, the love of um of of sort of dark imagery, and that's yes. what I love. So I will always You're love like horror that. movies <laughs> for letting me be closer to my daughter through that. And it, it's, it's amazing. And, and it's yeah, really cool. And you can pass it down like that because our kids, like I said, we do this stuff as a family and we sit and we watch horror movies as a family. We play horror games as a family. We go to horror cons as a family. Yeah. Yeah. I go to, I go to the Walker stalker, which is here in Atlanta. Zoe and I have been, it, it's, it's dying now, but we have been like five years in a row. Means it's, I just love it. If, and I would love horror movies even if I never had kids, but to, through my, the love of my daughter, I adore horror as a genre and what it has done, how it has allowed me to bond with my daughter. And exactly, yeah. And it really well, adds another dimension. This, this is the house that parents... Yeah. Cinema, cinema Sorry! Just brings, like, uh, cinema just brings people together. Like, you know, I, I that's how I, you know, connected with my dad a lot, you know, saying, like, I mean, not through horror, because he thinks every horror movie is a fucking comedy. Like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He absolutely, he absolutely finds horror hilarious. Like, the funniest thing was uh that moment in Friday Thirteen Part Two where wheelchair dude gets the axe, the machete in his face. I, I love that scene. He goes bouncing oh, down the stairs. I was coming home from my girlfriend's house and he, he was dying laughing in the living room and I'm like, what the hell are you watching? And it's the dude going down the stairs. <laughs> in the <laughs> and he was like practically in it. tears, you know. But like, yeah, Citadel's, Citadel's like that. It just brings people together, you know. Yeah. It's it just, I remember just... when um, my mom and I, we watched um, Blair Witch Project yeah, and uh, her and I had this thing where we were getting back at each other where she had like she got these bundle of sticks wrapped it up and put like this fake heart in it and then you know I opened it up and I saw the heart so then I made the nice Blair Witch sticks yeah I made the Blair Witch sticks with like you know like and then hung them up in her room so. <laughs> <laughs> so, and she's not even a horror fan but you know like little things like that yeah that's awesome my mom awesome. took me The Exorcist when I was 10, and she was, I don't like Kool-Aid, but we were poor. So, and she made green Kool-Aid, and I don't like green Kool-Aid, but she's like, here, let's watch The Exorcist. And I'm like, why are you making green Kool-Aid? I don't leave them like that. Was, and we watched it, and she's all, like, fucking giggling and shit. I'm like, you are a bitch. <laughs> no, it was funny. 
That's what my dad with with split pea soup. He like like <laughs> right after we saw that he made me split pea soup. I'm like thanks. But um actually we gotta like start wrapping up. I'm sorry we always segue like this, but I, I would just want to say in my defense I'm a mom and wife before I'm everything else. So sometimes that stuff comes up. I apologize. Um that's my profession. Anyway, um so let's go ahead and give our ratings out of ten. It can be any rating you want to give and you can defend it in any way so who wants to go 10 out of 10. There's, there's oh, 10 out of 10. oh damn Rob that's fucking fire yes I I know I'm the, I'm I've become the stingy, stingy one when it comes to ratings but <laughs> 10 out of 10 there's nothing wrong with this movie this movie is a horror masterpiece 10 out of 10 hooks that's my rating yes, yes. right on okay who's next I'll give it a full 10 swarms of bees. Damn. 10 swarms of bees, yeah. All right. We're, My we're first full ten. perfect rating, you know. You're I, also Cindy. I, I really can't think of a bad thing to say. Like, this really is one oh. of a kind. Right. No, not at all. There's, there's nothing bad to say about this. No. I'm going to go ahead and say 10 to as well, because especially because uh, – I, it's so hard to keep me um, like my attention span is horrible, and I sat through that movie and watched the whole thing, and that is very impressive for me. <laughs> so that, that, you gotta get that. Next, <laughs> right, we keep this train rolling. Um, I'm gonna give it ten out of ten as well. Like um, on my on my show, I am the harshest critic. You know, I've gotten a lot of flack for ratings i've given to things like friday the 13th and the texas chainsaw massacre um but this to me there's there's nothing (laughs) (laughs) um there's 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 nothing i can fault with this movie so 10 out of 10 excellent all right we have four tens who's next Uh, i guess i'll go i will be the outlier here and go with 9.5 out of 10 oh still good though so good docking and a half a point just because I was not buying Ted Raimi in the opening right out of my mouth. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, I was happy about that. That gave it the 9.5 to the 10 Raimi. <laughs> I love Ted Raimi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Um, like Erica said, the, the whole Ted, Ted Raimi thing. And because, uh, <laughs> Because Trevor's a bitch, but uh, uh, Meek is a bitch. We've yeah. also done, yeah. All these are AKA. Oh, well, that's, that's what I was bitch. thinking of when 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 Rob went on his rant about Trevor. I was thinking the whole Meek thing. Meeko, because we bitched about him and paranoid. I, 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 I will say this though, like I'm glad he was played by Xana Berkeley, who's an underrated actor, and yeah. yes, the, he's underrated to the fact that he he plays the best dead body ever in a movie. <laughs> like look at him look at him uh, uh, look at him dead in this look at him dead in terminator 2 and then yeah. on movie he he plays dead perfect he plays dead better he does a fucking <laughs> i'm glad you mentioned that because i forgot about him in terminator 2 that's, oh that's such yeah. a great scene that he's is. just like yeah, so like, it's so great. Nobody plays dead better than Xander Berkeley. <laughs> That's something you want on your resume. Yeah. That is fucking awesome. I'm a great person. Thanks. <laughs> um, Dave, what do you got? 
Uh, I'm going to just give it 10 out of 10. I had not seen this movie, as I mentioned before, for years. And I watched it yesterday or today, actually, on Company Time. And uh, great movie. (laughs) But I want before I before I stop, I wanted to just thank Ian. You mentioned The Descent. And that's one of the movies that my daughter and I bonded over more than possibly more than any other film. You know, the whole female empowerment thing. And Mm -hmm. that's a great movie. And I wanted to thank your nation for bringing us that movie to bond with my daughter over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I give it. I give it ten out of ten. Um, I loved it. I love Tony Todd's voice. I love his coat. I love the big furry coat. Oh, I didn't get one of those, man. That's I need the big furry fucking yeah. coat, man. That, that's and, another yeah. reason. Can you imagine how long why, that fucking coat is? Because I need. I need it. I need it. That's another reason why I hate the sequel because they don't use that coat. They use different coats. It's like uh, well, coat. That's not true. As effective. Not as effective. Yeah, I just pretend they don't exist. I do that with a lot of sequels. I'm like, I just pretend it doesn't exist, and then I'm much happier for it. No, I'm just—it's a standalone film. That's that's (laughs) That's where I'm at with Return of the Living Dead. Like after three, they don't exist. Yeah, two, they don't exist. No, after two, three's great. After two, three's great. Oh, three is three is three is great. I do that with my marriage. (laughs) Me and Sean will fight one. Candy, three is great. Oh yeah. I would just like to say three is great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Fine, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just such an easy target. Okay. Um, my rating is 10 out of 10 sweets to the sweet. Oh, um, mm, nice. Yeah, it, it's, it's just so unique. There's nothing like it before or after. I'm really, really excited to see what they're going to do. With this remake, I'm actually, I usually don't get excited about those, but I'm actually excited about this. Yeah. Well, and, it's, it's not, it's not ex- exactly a remake. It's more of like a sequel where, um, kind of, uh, yeah. Uh, Vanessa Williams is the story. Yeah. And, um, um, oh, God, I, I don't want to say his name because I don't know how to properly pronounce it and I don't want to butcher it, but, uh, uh Black Manta from Aquaman. God, I, I feel so. <laughs> yeah, I can't happy. say his name either. Right, no idea how to say I, his name. I, no, no idea. I, I can't, yeah, but um, he is playing the the adult version of the baby Anthony in mm-hmm. from Candy, and uh, Vanessa Williams is returning as his mother. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's it's basically a continuation of the story. They're just calling it Candyman because that's the lazy thing to do now. Like you know, right. Blumhouse is Halloween. You know, it's a sequel, so, but it's know, it can be like considered like okay, here's more of the story, but we can do what Candy likes to do and pretend two and three don't exist and just go from there, yeah. you oh, know? Wow. And I'm good with that. Uh, two two has its good points, but three, even Tony Todd is like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like we got Donna Dierigo from the Baywatch School of Acting. Oh, fuck you, no oh. thanks. Go fuck yourself, Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, this has been so fun to talk about. I think we touched on a lot of really interesting things, and um, I've had a lot of fun um, meeting Jenna. And yeah. hopefully she Thank you for being here. Us. We, we do tangents all the time. I'm so sorry. Um, and I love that. I, I had a lot of fun Thank when you we did Dead on his show, and then I'm so glad that he could come on here and do this with us. And he will be returning on another episode. Um, next week, we are going to be talking about Exorcist 3, and I have one main topic, <laughs> one main point to make, and I'm going to really fucking make that point. So that's next week. But thank you all so, so much. I want to go around and let everybody do their plugs. Uh, we'll start with Rob, who loves doing plugs. 
where my voice lowers like i actually uh, uh i i i do um my my buddy michael's podcast uh hit rewind and he says like when you do plugs your voice lowers like almost like you feel bad about doing them <laughs> and i was like oh. here we go and i was just like no because there's so many to do and i fucking hate it <laughs> usually you do the sigh you're like <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> yes, but uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as The Cinema Drunkie. Uh, you can find my numerous writings on ultimateactionmovies.com as well as actionflix.com. And my personal blog, thecinemadrunkie.wordpress.com. And uh, my upcoming podcast, uh, The Action Drunkies. We're, we're already like a couple episodes deep. We're about to start coming out. Uh, I would love to have Jenna on for that because I know uh, she's an ass kicker in herself. Uh, but yeah. uh, stay tuned for that. Awesome. Okay. Um, Erica. Uh, check out my blog at myhorrificlife.com uh, and find me on Instagram at myhorrificlife. That is all for tonight. Awesome. <laughs> okay. uh, Daniel. As always, the Nightmare Nerd, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and especially YouTube. I'm glad the channel's growing. Uh, you know, I've got a lot to for Halloween season. You can also find me on HouseOfTorturedSouls.com. Uh, Ian, I'd love to be a part of your podcast sometime in the future, if that's possible. Yeah, just hit me up and we'll get it sorted. Sure thing. And uh, hashtag join the dark order. <laughs> uh, Jenna. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at ZombieFuton, F-U-T-O-N, um, and Twitter at ZombieWasabi. And I guess it's too early to make this plug, but since since um, I have some uh, Kung Fu fans, um, I'm going to be starting a um, podcast um, called Kung Fu Flicks Chicks. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I'm in social art film, so if you need anybody, I promise I won't talk so much. Oh, no. <laughs> Please do. We we don't know what we're doing, so. And also, uh, I'm I'm gonna plug in the movie that um, Len Kabazinski is making right now. It's gonna be called um, <laughs> It's gonna be called Pact of Vengeance. Um, the Indiegogo was going on, but it was canceled because of the whole you know coronavirus yeah. thing. Um, but if you want to join his Patreon, two dollars a month, you can see all his movies. And that'll go towards the next movies that he's going to be making. So patreon.com. <laughs> just, 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 just to know, uh, uh, Jenna is in a few of those movies. Uh, yes. Challenge of Challenge of Five Gauntlets, which where I, dis- I discovered you in Challenge of Five Gauntlets, where she played uh, a geisha slash ninja. And, uh, and, uh, I love nice. it. And Hellcat's Revenge 2, <laughs> Dead Man's Hand, which she's also in a prison flick by uh, the great Led Kabazinski. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Len. Uh, I love Len so much. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, you'd be hard pressed to find, you know, being better. Like Jenna is great in those movies. So catch him if you can. Thank you. Nice. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Ian. Uh, yeah, you can find Behind the Screams podcast on Twitter. Just go to at Screams Behind. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, just search for Behind the Screams podcast. We've got Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash Behind the Screams. Lowest tier, sign up for a $1.50. Yeah, I noticed um, that's new for you guys, isn't it, recently, that you guys started Patreon? 
yeah, we've had it up there in about two months now. So we've got a few people who signed up to it already. Um, we're offering a load of things on there. We've got some bonus episodes. We're covering non-horror movies now as well. But, you know, some of them are maybe treading the line between horror and non-horror. We've done yeah. um, Die Hard. We've done oh. Sin City. Um, and we've got Predator coming out uh, in October as well. Oh, good choice. Sean's excited. Yeah. Oh, hold on, hold on. Jenna, Jenna, show the guns again. Uh, it's yeah. dark guns. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like just we got, we got, off. Yeah, we got free tickets to the gun show right here. Like, no, she posted like I know it's you did that difference. post like a couple weeks ago where you was just showing your gains and it was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> my, yeah, my I'm a personal trainer, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm to my vampire nature. I've got bat wings. <laughs> and I've got and I've got pipe cleaners. Alright, uh Dave, what do you what do you got for us? I have nothing to plug as usual. You you, you Just, always say something really cool though, so create a website. Yeah, do, do, do I I don't I don't know any websites. Um I just want to thank <laughs> all you wonderful people for letting Only me fans. be here. I don't have an OnlyFans that that you know yes. of, and uh, <laughs> uh, but just um, and I keep trying all week long. I keep trying to come up with something witty or impactful, and all I can come up with is every time just be kind to each other. That's right. Yes. That's be excellent to each other. Uh, and thank you for letting me be here. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Indeed, thank fun. you so much. We have such a good chemistry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, um, slasher, Rob's OnlyFans, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Pornhub. Um, <laughs> you guys, seriously, be good, be kind, wear your masks, Black Lives Matter, get it together. I'm done with this shit. I'm over it. I want these cons to come back. I want to quit wearing this fucking mask. Let's, I let's just, end this shit. yeah. Yeah. Here's your fucking brain. I always. <laughs> <remind>. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess for me, I I'm gonna do like a plug for this show. We are really working hard at changing things up and doing new things here on the House That Screams. If this is your first episode, uh, definitely go back and check out some of our other episodes. Each one is better than the the one former. Um, like, uh, when we just released Jason Takes Manhattan um, yesterday, uh, that was a fucking amazing show. Like, we just, it gets better and better. We have more and more fun people, more and more insights. So, I'm plugging the show. Check out some other episodes. Don't, don't listen to season one, though, please. Uh, <laughs> we had no fucking idea. Um, anyway, uh, also, you can, I, I mean, our Twitter, which is uh, at house underscore screams. We just passed 1,600 followers, which is I'm pretty happy about. Woohoo! And uh, I'm on Instagram and Slasher as Candy the Final Girl, and my horror blog is candycodedhorror.wordpress.com. I try to take horror themes and movies and translate them into uh, either history lessons or, you know, into like sociopolitical commentary, psychology, things like that. So it's pretty fun stuff. Sure uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it, and it's, it's been so fun. Yeah, it's great having you guys. I Thank love you having you, uh, Ian and Jenna, anytime you want to come back. Definitely, definitely. It's, been a it's fun. And um, also, Ian, uh, if you ever want me to talk you to death again, I'm always open to be back on Behind the Screens. That was really, really fun. <laughs> Thank you. 
yeah, go. The, the offer is open to everyone here. So, um, yeah, if anyone wants to do anything, hit me up on the Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much available on there all the time. So hit me up and we'll, we'll, we'll get it planned. And I also want to say one last one thing about Behind the Screams. Behind the Screams has been very supportive of this podcast. Um, since our inception, they have really promoted us and supported us, had me on as a guest. Like we have, Behind the Screams has been so kind to us as a fledgling oh. podcast. So yeah. thank you, Ian. Yeah, thank you. No, not at all. Like I say, we're we're a fledgling podcast as well. So um, you know, you got to help each other. You got to support each other and lift each other up. For the most part, a wonderful place. Yeah, and if you guys didn't know, Behind the Screams has a Patreon. So yeah, definitely go there and check out their episodes. I want to replug them. Behind the Screams yeah. is, is a really great podcast. We drop Midsummer tomorrow. Ooh! Oh, wow. We did that oh, one. Carried to our midsummer because we were, we went a little fucking nuts on that one. <laughs> well, we, we normally go about an hour for our episodes. Our midsummer episode is two and a half hours long. Ooh, we just did that with like the movie. Oh, I mean, <laughs> like the movie. Of yeah. things, we we like uh, outlasted the film. Yeah. <laughs> of, 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 of course, of course, I did the midsummer episode, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to do the the hereditary episode because of uh, personal reasons. But I'd love to, to talk about Hereditary. Uh, yeah, he came yeah. back on the next episode, which was Diana Demons, and talked about Hereditary. Yeah. I was like, Is, yeah. I, well, I'm here for it, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had to, yeah. We're like see, the punk I, I had, rock version of a podcast. We are so ragtag. <laughs> yeah, I had to, I had to, I had to correct him on something, you know, to, yeah, so they forgot detail on the hereditary episode, and I was like, you guys, see what happens when I'm not here. The, 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 the ship <laughs> is not running. Sure, it's nothing right. You need Rob to click. But anyway, you guys take care. Have a good night. Be safe. Be well. Thank you, Kylie. And yeah, everyone, thank you, yeah. thank you. Love you guys all the time. See you in chat. Good night. Good night. Thank you all. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.